you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. The Around the NFL podcast loves the Star Wars franchise. Welcome to another episode of the Around the NFL podcast. I'm Greg Rosenthal, sitting in for Dan Hansis. Our humble host is gone, but you know who else isn't gone? A room filled with some heroes all across the globe, Mark Sessler and Patrick Claybon in Los Angeles. What's happening, gents? Well, you're satisfying the around the globe portion right like mark around right. the same place <laughs> so, well you're not about the same eight place. minute drive from claybon so <laughs> it would be cool though if you guys uh were together at claybon's house that would have like really surprised me if you just had your arm around each other not that you guys aren't friendly but it just would have been a first for this podcast but uh we're, we're setting other bounds here with me it's friday morning here in tokyo it's uh, Thursday afternoon, 3 p.m. in Los Angeles. It's 6 p.m. where, where Dan is uh, about to attend or, or at a Yankees-Reds game. So hope him and the boys have fun there. We were we were together, uh, Claybon, and I think Mark might have been there too uh, on the day that Andrew Luck retired. And that's, uh, that's part of what we're going to be talking about this episode with Zach Kiefer from The Athletic coming on to talk about his uh, pod series. I remember that that day well when Andrew Luck retired. You were you were hosting a housewarming party. Yeah, we were having a shrimp boil and um, things, was good, things were good. Uh, drinks were flowing and then everybody started looking at their phones and we were all kind of stuck in a in a weird work slash party mode for like an hour and a half as Andrew Luck's <laughs> news was breaking. So yeah, I actually, it, was, it was fun to look back. I unfortunately did not attend that party, um, okay. but but what I how I tracked that party was because I was home. I was thinking I was not feeling too well, so I was home on the couch, you know, just tracking Twitter when the news broke, and then obviously the world froze. But suddenly, like a flood of texts from every other person in NFL media from Claybon's yard, tweeting photos <laughs> from various angles of the yard of everyone else in NFL media looking at their phones about the Andrew Luck news. So it was just this like event inside the event. I know we've we've done this show so long now. Uh, we started it in the summer of 2013. That 
like now we have like like, histories that are encompassed entirely while we've started doing this podcast. Andrew Luck's career isn't exactly that. Uh, I started at the NFL his his rookie year, actually, before it started. uh, But the podcast didn't start uh, until a uh, a year later. But it's it's crazy to think back. But what you want to be when news like that happen, where you want to be is somewhere where you have a great excuse not to write or not to uh, jump on a podcast, I guess, at that time. And I remember being happy I was there. I was not long for that party. Uh, my son Walker, uh, you know, when he was younger, was very afraid of dogs and just um, couldn't handle the Claybon's dogs. And so we didn't stay there for too long. But either way, you gave me a good out not to go have to fire off 1,500 words for, for Ali Bunbury. That's what I do. That's what I do, Greg. I, I just give people outs. That, that's my job. So what this an ally. Is, uh, like, I would tell you one little note about that, and we'll get into it with Zach, but being at home, that Colts preseason game was on essentially, I think NFL Network was you know broadcast all around the place, and the news broke in the middle of the game. I don't know if you guys knew that at the party, but it was like you would have known after, but Schefter tweeted about it, and... As Andrew Luck was, you know, in street clothes on the sidelines, the fans at Lucas Oil started to realize their quarterback was retiring and booze started to usher down. And he essentially left the stadium floor to uh, to a round, um, angry crowd of booze and like had to go into his press conference situation that way. Mm. It was very bizarre. Yeah, it was it was one of uh, the most memorable just like news drops of the last decade last couple of decades we'll talk about that with with zach we'll we'll get into it all i i think of of wes a lot when i think of andrew luck just because he was such a big uh andrew luck fan justin graver's been digging through the archives seeing if we have any uh good andrew luck clips from over the years so i'm looking forward to that also looking forward to a little bit of news uh, before we get going, before we welcome in Zach, and um, you know, I'm just I'm looking forward to joining you guys back in Los Angeles. This is my last uh, bit of work in Tokyo. I'm leaving in about 48 hours, and then uh, I will see you in sunny, uh, sick Los Angeles, where it seems like everyone has COVID, unfortunately. <laughs> Sorry, that was a down note to, to end it on. Let's do some news, Graver. The guys drafted after Nikhil Harry include Debo, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, Hunter Renfro, Darius Slayton. It was a really, really good <laughs> yeah, wide uh... receiver draft. I mean, that was just kind of mean, I think, to pick that as the news drop, Graver. I mean, Hunter Renfro, he was a fifth-round pick. Yeah, and Slayton was too, but... Yeah. <laughs> Right, I'm not gonna kill the Patriots for that, but I would, I would kind of kill them because the type of receiver they were looking for. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Let, let's start with the franchise tag deadline because uh, it, it is coming up, uh, July 15th, Friday. I'm already there. I'm on July 15th. Uh, I am in the future. Tell By us, the time or... you listen to this, it's already passed uh, in Tokyo, and I can tell you from the future. That none of these franchise tag guys nah. have signed uh, before. That's yeah. great reporting. That's your. It's not an abuse of your power, but it is a questionable use, questionable use of your power. I it could it could come back to haunt me too, uh, and then this episode could be completely out of date. Uh, but 
reporting from the future has never steered me wrong in the past. And so that I can tell you that the four players uh, who were seeing if they could get a deal done. And if you're not familiar, there's a deadline July 15th. If you don't sign a long term deal by then, you have to either play under the one year tender uh, that you were offered as a franchise tech player or you could just sit out the year. That's really the only two options uh, for you. Those four players are Orlando Brown of the Chiefs, Dalton Schultz of the Cowboys, who is the guy probably out of these four who there was the most hope for. And he's the one guy who could maybe bang us here at the last second, but it doesn't sound like he's going to get a deal done. Mike Kosicki uh, of the Dolphins and then Jesse Bates of the Bengals. Mike Garofolo's kind of been out front of this Orlando Brown reporting. To me, he's the most interesting of the four uh, Graver, let's hear what Mike had to say about him. I'm not expecting if there's no long-term deal. I'm not expecting Orlando Brown for the start of training camp or really any time during training camp. That is my understanding. Remember, he hasn't signed the tag, so he can't be fined if he's not there. And even week one is in question. So let's see how this plays out over the next couple of days. Like I said, the side's far apart. I'm not expecting a deal, and that could have ripple effects for Patrick Mahone's blindside protector down the line here. All right, so week one, possibly in jeopardy, Claybon. Uh, that sounds more serious than the other guys where this could actually be ugly, and he might try to push this as far as he possibly can and, and miss some regular season time. It would be disappointing for the Chiefs. Yeah, disappointing for the Chiefs, but when you consider that they, they traded for him initially, right? When we have these circumstances where you trade for the guy, you normally assume that the guy's going to be paid, especially in a circumstance right where Baltimore uh, has two uh, starting quality left tackles, and they eventually make this deal in order to satisfy or- Orlando's uh, aspirations uh, instead of just paying him. Uh, I think that that probably would have satisfied his aspirations as well, because uh, the only reason he wanted to be left tackle was so he could be paid like a left tackle. But anyway, um, it, it's I think he has. A significant amount of leverage here, considering that they paid for him, unless right, um, the, the Chiefs view it as sunk cost being a logical fallacy, which it is. Uh, but they just have to make the decision, right? Uh, based on that's why I like uh, having Claybon on. He has good economic uh, hot takes. <laughs> that's, I mean, that Cynthia Freeland has confirmed that one for me, and so that that makes mm. me feel good uh, because she's significantly smarter than me, as as is most of the planet. But. You, you you got him for a reason, right? And that reason is to protect Patrick Mahomes, and there's been all of this change uh, elsewhere on the offense. So why not pay him? I, 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 guess, I, I guess I understand why, but you would like to have a football team that could try to win a Super Bowl. So you, you, you should have your left tackle on. Pay him, right? Like, why play yeah, I mean, Outside of quarterback, left tackle is the toughest position to find. But I think that there's... I, I wonder what the Chiefs, in terms of their self-scouting, think of Orlando Brown. I think he's a, obviously a quality tackle but he wants to be paid like a top left tackle and I think that you know the Ravens initially and then the, maybe the Chiefs view him more as being paid like a really quality right tackle I mean that he, I think he made this move because he you know he he stepped into Staley's position in Baltimore fared well and thought this is how you make money as a tackle by playing left tackle he got his trade and now he wants his cash and they're very far apart so that tells me that mm. you know, they're not close to hey, you know, the Chiefs might just have to do this. It sounds like there's a philosophical difference about we're not paying you what Trent Williams just got in that last deal. You're somewhere else. And I mean, the franchise tag feels closer to what they think he should make annually. I mean, just based on hearing that they're this far apart. I mean, that is concerning. But he almost has no leverage in a way, too, because if they decide we'll find another tackle after after this next season, 
he can skip camp and do all that, but it's his only chance to make money and play is to come in and be on the field. And whether it's skipping week one or not, I don't think he's going to skip the whole season based over this. I, I don't think it's a quick fix, though, Greg, do you? No, I I don't think he'll skip any games. Because in this spot, and it's one of the reasons why the franchise tag is such a win for the owners and, and teams, the, the player doesn't really have any leverage. Yeah, he'll get paid eventually, but he was a third-round pick. He can make more money, Claybon in the first couple weeks of the season than he made in the last few years. So if he wants to get paid, like he, he has to play like his salary goes up so much as the franchise tag player that you just kind of got to show up 10 days before the season. Then you never do it. And uh, the weird thing is like everything worked with this trade that he made last year. I think it sort of fell under the radar that the chiefs did fix their offensive line in one year. And uh, he's known as more of a, right. And he was a big part of that. And, He's known as more of a good run blocker than a pass blocker, but he was fine last year. He he fit right in. They gave up a first and a third for him, and, and some other later picks also gave up a second back. But I, I'm i surprised that they let it get to this point. Um, but it's another example where I just think the owners and the teams have the hammer because worst case for them, they can just give him a tag again next year. It's, it's, it's honestly preposterous, right, that a guy can start at left tackle for two playoff teams and neither one of them want to pay him, right? And so if, if, if he's if he's that bad, uh, then let him go. Get him, get him to free agency and then see. But well, it's this, not like this... they think he's that bad. I My guess is they're offering him up to, you know, $40, $50 million guaranteed, top shelf tackle money, and he wants to get, like, top, top, top tackle money, and, and that's where these disagreements happen. So then don't tag him. Yeah. Don't tag him then. Tag somebody else. Well, that would be like giving, giving yeah, it's up just tough to like, find the next to someone else. That's the tough yeah, part. That's what I'm yeah, saying. If he's, if he's so tough to find, then pay him, right? Yeah, <laughs> like if he's, like, yeah they, they have so many like big time contracts on the books. I think it's one of the reasons they got rid of Tyreek Hill. It's not just that it was time for a change offensively and like, hey, they're pushed to the cap. It's also like it's almost like the NBA, too, when you have so much of the cap on five players. It's not just about the quarterback. It's about Frank Clark is still making that money and Chris Jones is is worth it and is making that money and Kelsey and all these guys. Suddenly it becomes complicated. You can only have five or six of those guys. I I predict, I think Orlando Brown will be one of those guys. It's just going to be like a year from now. And they did a great job building that offensive line uh, with their draft picks and with Orlando Brown a year ago. And it's one of the reasons why I think the Chiefs uh, have a good chance to go to the Super Bowl. As usual, because they have Patrick Mahomes as their quarterback. Gasecki, uh, Schultz, and Jesse Bates we know isn't going to happen. Uh, looks like uh, all three of those won't happen, but it doesn't seem like it's as um, not as much animosity with those three, or at least they're going to be in camp most likely on time. Maybe they'll skip some volu- you know, early work, uh, but they'll be back on the field. There was a trade in the NFL this week. The news gods helping us out, giving us a little something to talk about. You heard it in the news drop. Nikhil Harry, first round pick of the Patriots a few years ago, uh, is going to the Bears mark for a 2024 seventh round pick, uh, which is technically uh, the least amount of, uh, that you can have in a trade is a seventh round pick. That's not even this year. Yeah. I mean, to get anything, because this comes off, you know, Mike Reese reporting that they were talking about switching him to tight end, which is just kind of like a last possible move. If he ever were to stick around on the roster, I think his fate was sealed when they signed for, when they traded for Devonte Parker. 
I mean, this is a player. I know everyone goes to the, oh, the Patriots don't draft wide receivers well. And we, we heard all the names at the top of the show that who came at later. A bunch of other teams passed on those guys, too. So it's not just New England's problem. They don't really develop wide receivers that great either. And I think this was a pick that Belichick went against the scouting staff to pick a 6'4", big-bodied wide receiver that wasn't necessarily what they needed at the moment um, because of his friendship with Todd Graham, the Arizona State's coach. And it's like, all right, you're Belichick, so we're going to give you an eternal pass on these things. But it has to be (laughs) frustrating that the team and the scouting staff in general get blamed for it. And then when they brought him in and Belichick's, you know, hyper-focused on defense at that point. And so it was up to Josh McDaniels to kind of make him fit in. I think he was he missed the first eight games of his career with like an ankle injury or something and never really produced. So I guess Chicago, I mean, I think we're all down on Chicago's offense or the, the stress they put on it in general. But You look at the outside of Darnell Mooney, I mean, he's got a chance to see real snaps. So I don't hate the landing spot if he's going to reclaim his career. Greg, you talk about players' careers that we have bookended with our show. Um, It's very possible that we will bookend Nikhil Harry's unless we see an uptick in some sort of production here. Well, I I mean, mean, I don't see him sticking, unless our show's ending in like two years. I hope that's (laughs) not the case, but. I I think, right, it's, there's clearly room for improvement. Um, he's going to get more opportunity in, in Chicago. I, I think we've seen receivers go through New England in the past and kind of wonder about, you know, who's playing what and what's the snap percentages. And, and that's the that's always the question with New England on offense because there's so many different guys that are rotating in and out, and, and that's been a, a constant. But it, it is a tinge unfair to, to compare Nikhil Harry to, to some of these other guys. But Why? They, he was he's a very similar type of that's the thing is he's a very See? similar type of profile coming out of college as DK and AJ Brown in a way which is that people thought well not in terms of what he did in college and he was someone that divided draft Twitter and dra- draft Twitter gets a lot of things wrong but they got Nikhil Harry right they kind of thought he was uh, a, a bust before he got taken but in theory a a big guy who can make plays after the catch and win. Um, at the catch point, win one-on-one battles. That That's pretty similar to what DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, what people were hoping for. So to me, those three very much are in the same bucket. And I bet that they were considering those two other guys and they chose Nikhil Harry. So that makes it hurt me even more. Well, yeah, they, they clearly were considering those guys because those guys were were good football players, right? They, people right. should have been considering uh, AJ Brown uh, and, and DK Metcalf especially considering the people that they were playing against. Uh, I think we can look back and see Nikhil Harry, right? And this this idea that his profile is those guys is just, it's like it gets us to this weird comp territory where like if, if you're relying on a comp, like you should be evaluating the player uh, more so than what they hypothetically could be. And so it's, <laughs> there's, there's an opportunity for Nikhil Harry. Um, but when I think about Todd Graham and, and Bill Belichick, two notorious textures, right? Um, <laughs> there's, there's, it's, there's, there was mis- mistakes were made. Yeah, you we, feel we bad for that. him. You feel bad for Harry because he didn't ask for it. He probably yeah, should have been. And the idea a, that the player is pick. the bust as opposed to the decision, right? The decision to put that player in that particular position, like that was that was the mistake. Like Nikhil Harry is Nikhil Harry. Hopefully he's healthy. But the idea that he had this hypothetical career and then like he messed it up. No, that he's, right. he's just him. The process was this, the bust. The, yeah. There's this idea that that, well, you know, now that Brady's there, he can't like fix the mistakes the Patriots had. I mean, they made plenty of mistakes drafting receivers 
with Tom Brady too. You can't change who he was. I've watched every game of Harry's career. I, I don't have that much hope um, that he'll rebound in, in Chicago be, because he doesn't make plays after the catch. And he, that's sort of the way he needs to win in the NFL. And he just doesn't make that first guy miss. His, his hands weren't really that reliable, which if you're going to play like him, that they've got to uh, stand out. So he's not getting open. The hands aren't reliable. Not going to make plays after the catch. It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he doesn't make the Bears. Uh, and if he does make the Bears, I, I would be uh, surprised if he had a big role. Uh, that's unfortunate for, for him. That's unfortunate for the Patriots. The Bears, why not take a shot? Uh, you know who's going to be taking a shot next year, clearly, uh, at getting back in the league, is Sean Payton. There was a report in the Miami Herald this week that, that Sean Payton uh, is interested in coaching again. And uh, an associate of his told Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald, who over the years really punches above his weight and getting spicy stories. I don't know if they all come true, uh, but at least like he gets mentioned on this show a lot. So that's good for Barry Jackson. What's, what's that shot at Barry Jackson? That, that very <laughs> sleek slicing shot. At he goes Barry national Jackson. with his stories. I think he goes out. Okay. I mean, there's a dolphins angle to this, obviously. I actually but... <laughs> had, you know, it's because I remember way back at Roto world. I actually sort of had a no Barry Jackson policy at Roto world for a while because he would just have these notes and it was like you couldn't tell if it was a report or just kind of like throwing stuff against the wall. And like I didn't necessarily trust the uh, like let's not have that blaring like it's interesting to know, but it, not necessarily news. This one, though, he, you know, he had it. He said he had an associate of Sean Payton, which he strongly indicated in the article was not Sean Payton's agent for what it's worth. Uh, and uh, he said that associate listed the Chargers, the Dolphins, and the Cowboys as potential teams that Sean Payton would potentially want to coach. Oh, but no, he's not interested in teams that have coaches in place. He would never do that because he respects the coaching fraternity too much. He just has associates that are willing to talk uh, to the newspaper a year in advance about those teams who just hired head coaches, at least in the case of uh, the Dolphins. So, like, don't have it both ways. It's fine. Just, just uh just try to get these jobs, Sean Payton. I'm fine with that. But to stop with the, like, I respect the coaching fraternity too much to go after jobs. Like, this is going after him. Or tell the associates uh, to be quiet. The the, the names, uh, Mark, the teams that popped up were kind of interesting. Dolphins make sense because there were, uh, you know, quality reports that indicated the Dolphins were interested in Sean Payton before they went for Mike McDaniel. So that makes sense. Uh, the Cowboys obviously make sense. The Chargers being thrown out there. Uh, it's kind of spicy. I don't. I don't see that happening. I. I do feel like Brandon Staley is a, a long-term coach there, but I guess you never know. Yeah, you think Brandon Staley is probably set up to have for him a bounce-back year in terms of like that defense looking like it's going to get so much better. That report included the fact that Sean Payton um, wishes to have one warm weather to a roster that can contend and three control over the personnel decisions. None of that. that's surprising. But if you're if you want to float your name out there, why not get attached to um, essentially Justin Herbert? That makes too much sense. I mean, that is a 10-year career right there, and he did pretty good with a former Chargers quarterback and Drew Brees. I just find it a bit insane that, like, if you're Mike McDaniel, you've never coached a game, and you've got a fan base that already previous to your hire dealt with the Tom Brady, Sean Payton want to team up and take over the Dolphins whispers that, you know, bubbled up this offseason. And now you have Sean Payton's, and I mean, I have to believe Sean Payton completely knew this was coming, this this whisper campaign, draped over your first season as a head coach. So it's a little bit of a mess. I mean, I, I to me, I feel like Stephen Ross, 
he gets these big ideas sometimes, um, and he could be someone that maybe would fall for that kind. I mean, I'm not saying you're fall for Sean Payton is an excellent coach, but it would be a shame that someone, even if they fared pretty well, were bounced after year one um, to get the the bigger prize in Sean Payton. But that's how it goes. Yeah, it's it's Sean and company playing the game of Thrones, right? Um, and not only tying yourself to these teams, but tying yourself within those divisions as well, as if to say, hey. Um, I might be coaching here and it, it, you can just imagine the, the money uh, vol- it's, it's like the worst kept secret in, in the world that he's going to be somewhere uh, and that's why he even said it in his, pr- his press conference retiring from the Saints he actually said <laughs> I see myself in football again it might be on the sideline uh, like so that, that was pretty even even in that press conference it might be on the sideline next year like he admitted it even then if you're Mike McCarthy doesn't it just feel like you've, you're with someone that you knew you're just like I'm hanging on for dear life. I know we're breaking up at some point. I will be dumped for this ex-boyfriend, Sean Payton type character that the Cowboys have been infatuated with, Jerry Jones infatuated with. It's like, you know it's coming. It's going to happen. Be the Cowboys coach. It's like Mike McCarthy, just go through the motions for the next nine months. Have a good time. Especially considering, right, because during Mike McCarthy's time away from coaching where he he became a computer, right, and he was analytics man, he's, he's, he's ran the numbers. And he knows, right? Uh, Mike McCarthy knows. It's not like a clock. Um, he, he's perfectly w- well aware of, of watching this situation. And, and that's okay, right? He's, he's got a ring. He, he got to coach the Cowboys for a couple of years. And if it, if it goes south, it goes south. He's getting paid. Right. What some some team that has a good quarterback that's expected to do well will be a disappointment this year. It might, it might not be the Chargers or the Dolphins or the Cowboys uh, if you want to throw them in there. It might be some other team and and they will want Sean Payton. But I, I'd be a little worried um, because it said he, he, I'm reading from the article here. Mark, you mentioned the warm weather, that being a fact. OK, uh, quote, having a good quarterback would be helpful, but that isn't the number one or number two factor. The associate insisted. OK, uh, on a much lower scale, the close associate said he would also. Sean Payton prefer to work in a market where he could golf some. What? So new. Are there no golf courses? Right, right. I mean, I guess he wants it to be like, you know, in the winter, probably too during the season. I would guess. And of course, they throw in the the caveat: though his work ethic and long hours largely limit these opportunities to the offseason. This, uh, this okay. associate really this had is reminding me a little bit, and there's no one more similar in the last. 15 years to Bill Parcells to me than Sean Payton, who was his mentor. And it is giving me Bill Parcells getting that final paycheck in Miami vibes. And I know Parcells wasn't coaching at the time, uh, but golf was a big priority for him at the time too. And that was a fiasco where he got like the biggest payday of his career and gave very little in return. And I, and I don't think Sean Payton would be quite like that, but he is getting closer to his sixties. And if golf is mentioned in the article, that's a red flag. I don't want him. I mean, Parcells only took that Cowboys job prior to the Dolphins one to pay off his divorce. So, I mean, not only, but that was a large <laughs> motivating factor. Guys, you're, you're breaking the, the myth for me. Bill Parcells only worked super hard and he was super about <laughs> the game and motivation. You're, you're telling me he was just a person? Yeah. Oh, no. He's just, he just a selfish guy. Who... Uh... Who our uh, guest earlier in this offseason, Mike Westhoff, had some had some rough things to say about, including off air. We we can't we can't repeat that. But uh, <laughs> I do apologize, Clayman. I cut you off in the middle of that. Um, but that is the first time someone's ever uh, cut you off from Tokyo live on air. So that's break, we're breaking new ground. Uh, it, it, I don't mind. Be, uh, cut me off whenever. Okay. I, 
I, I don't know what's going on. By the way, you're this. wearing a plain white tee. Are plain white tees making a comeback right now? Because I've been wearing a lot of plain white tees. I've been wearing plain black tees for about 10 years, and I, I did decide this summer it's like time to mix it up. Now it's all about the plain white tee. It, it's the color temperature of the sunlight coming through. It's actually a light blue. So oh, uh, when you say uh, that, I can see that. I, I would have thought it was white too, but you're right. And, there's a bluish hue. Don't take fashion cues from, from me, Greg. I, I know nothing about fashion. I actually reject mm. it as a concept. So I, mm. I just put the shirt on because it, it's comfortable. Well, I, I'm colorblind and my family rejects me as a concept for that reason. Many times <laughs> they make fun of me. It's real. I'm really in there. Like my kids are in the middle of their childhood and, and their dad is the butt of all jokes, like section of my life. So that that's what this trip. Well, I think colorblindness is often funny to children children too. Uh, so that, yeah. <laughs> that, that adds to it. All right. A couple of more quick news items before we get to Zach Kiefer and talk Colts. And uh, we'll talk Andrew Luck and Colts, by the way, with them. Uh, Baker's progressive ads are over. I thought that was just uh, noteworthy. We taped our last show uh, before Baker had a, a media availability with the Panthers. N- nothing big came out of that. He, he sort of, um, I guess would set all the right things. If you think there is such a thing about the Browns didn't, didn't, get too spicy. Uh, but the most notable thing for me uh, was he did confirm the progressive ads are over that he had pitched an idea to progressive of doing like some moving out of the stadium, which I, Hey, I, you don't blame him. He's one of the finest actors of our generation. And uh, I think the idea would have worked, but progressive said, no, Mark, are, are you and, and your children disappointed? Mine are, they love those ads. Um, I, I grew to not like them because I think the thing, and I, I think Claybon and I've talked about this before, where like um, these ads need to be scaled down when the player is going through like tra- a traumatic season where it's like, oh, your team's down 30 to seven. And now here's a, a whimsical ad about you eating breakfast with Bernie Kosar in the, in the stands. I don't, I don't need that. So it's like the less, the more. The other thing is we will talk Andrew Luck in a minute. In one of those great six episode pods that Zach did, uh, it mentioned that Andrew Luck is a first round pick simply refused and turned down millions and millions of, of, of national ad dollars because he's like, I'm not doing this till I know I'm a good quarterback in the NFL. It's like, mm. okay, that's the other way to go. I mean, Baker, you know, that rookie season, I think set him up to fly as a, as a national sponsor. But um, I thought they were often egg in the face compared to what was happening with the team on the field outside of that playoff year. Mm. Which is why you shoot two commercials, right? Every commercial you have a good and a bad and you roll <laughs> the, the bad commercial if the game's bad and the good commercial if the game is good. Um, I, I think it's kind of the theme of the offseason is people not wanting Baker anymore and for Progressive <laughs> to be that final strike in, in that yeah. aspect, that, that had to be tough for him. I think it was good, though, that I, first of all, take take the money. It, there's an argument to be made, uh, take it because you don't know and you know you, your opportunities yes. might be Absolutely. in a short window uh, for Baker. Not everyone could be Andrew Luck on the purity scale with that, too. I get that. Right, but right, didn't, you know. didn't somebody complain about Luck doing a commercial in his rookie year? I feel like that was a story. There was, you know, they they did try to compare, and and as Mark mentioned, Zach's uh, podcast kind of broke up this dichotomy. People, in, including Wes, a little bit. I remember, or I think we talked about it on the podcast. Would talk about how much RG three had a million ads. That yeah, year, it was RG three. The contrast, but maybe two. maybe there was one. Also, Luck might have known his strengths and weaknesses. Like Baker was smart to do that because I think he might have set up future work. Uh, whether it's in advertising or just acting. I think Andrew Luck knew that probably wasn't going to be his strength uh, as an actor on commercials. He, he probably would have been awkward, and uh, it's fine. Uh, I also like Baker's total, I wouldn't say disregard of Sam Darnold. They they talked about you know competition, all this, but he made it very clear that he expects to start week one against the Browns, 
uh, and he's looking forward to that game, which is sort of putting Darnold to the side. And um, I don't I don't blame him too much for that confidence. I think he'll be starting that game too. Uh, final couple stories, quick one. Rodney Hudson's future up is up in the air in Arizona. I only threw this one out there because. A, he's like a really good center and was key to their season last year. But B, the, <laughs> it was interesting to me how social media can shape a story. They sent out uh, a tweet this week that said, like, getting ready for the 2022 season, like, ready to protect or whatever. And they just sent out their four starting offensive linemen without Rodney Hudson. It's like, maybe don't do that? send that. Maybe don't send that tweet. Why it's did like, they do that? People didn't need Justin Pugh in a hype tweet on July 12th. Uh, <laughs> it, they sent out the four, but they left Hudson out. It's just like, no, just send out one of them. Send out Kelvin Beecham by himself. So they sent out the four without Hudson. And uh, I think Pro Football Talk was the one that noticed this. So I'll give them credit on that. Uh, they also are in the practice of sending out happy birthday tweets. And uh, Hudson shared a birthday uh, with another member of the the roster, I, I need to I should find it now. But a I lower fam- level man, like a, a familiar. Like a I wasn't familiar with this man, yeah. but he shared a birthday with him. They sent out the birthday tweet to him, but not to Rodney Hudson, whose <laughs> birthday was also that same day, Tuesday. So something's going on there. It's just something to watch. It's actually one of the only contractual or disagreement sort of battles I think that might go into the season it's very rare that actually happens but it wouldn't surprise me if this if if we mention this as an aside on August 30th that this is still happening and, and one little note because I mean we I, you know the Cardinals were hot on we were hot on their trailer out of the gate last year I thought they were fascinating and they really crumbled but a big part of it beyond you know the injury to DeAndre Hopkins was when Rodney Hudson went out they won the first two games, like one against the Houston Texans, and they beat up on the Browns, and the Browns were in a bad spot. Then they lost the next three without Rodney Hudson, and he was a huge part of it. And so they don't really have anyone on the roster right now to fill in for him. So I do wonder, because we've wondered what, if J.C. Treader might wind up somewhere. So they're going to mm. have to find someone to replace him, because that's a major gaping hole for the well, Arizona the Cardinals. He's on the $10 million, so they should just either figure out what's going on uh, it, I, I'm guessing he wants to be paid more, which makes sense considering what centers are making. He's one of the best ones out there. But Well, there's Chuck Harris from USA Today had a tweet, said, followed up on Rodney Hudson's status, asked if he was done in Arizona and was told believe so. So I don't know if mm. it's just simply a quick fix with money. Mm. We'll see. By the way, the, the other player, I shouldn't disrespect this man, M- Majai Sanders, who was a third round draft pick this year, uh, a linebacker. Um, so, you know, has a promising career and does deserve to be wished a happy birthday like yes, all but Rodney was like here anyone, first right right so on the planet. happy birthday so like, yeah. right to Majai I just want to say like <laughs> we're like a lower level player he's a, no wonder we don't know him he's a third round rookie hasn't hasn't played quite yet uh finally Mitchell Schwartz has retired uh happy trails to him one of the best uh right tackles of his generation missed last year uh really a back injury ended his career a little early but he had a great run there uh, with the Browns. And then uh, Le'Veon Bell says he's sitting out 2022 to focus on boxing. He's boxing Adrian Peterson coming up, Claybon, something I never thought I'd say. I guess like someday we'll have like a, we'll talk about Le'Veon Bell's retirement, uh, but this feels like this is basically the end of his career. What a weird career. Uh, But for three or four years, one of the the most dynamic running backs I've ever seen in my entire life. He would be in, he'd be in my, at his peak, I would say top five running back I've seen uh, in the last 15 years. 
and which right is an, another reason to to hate the tag uh, because we really got robbed of a season of Le'Veon Bell uh, when he was at his peak. Um, and it would have been nice to, to watch a really good football player play football, uh, but there was this opportunity to not pay him. And, and so uh, <laughs> they took it. Yeah, he, he sort of expressed some regret, I think, about that. I, I don't know if you would say regret, but he, he said he would handle some things differently on Twitter this week in, when it came to 2018, if he could go back and do it again. I don't I don't know what that Well, that and the be. way he said it, Greg, he said, like, if I had a legit time machine to go back to 2018, that would be so, so lit. That's right. what he that's what he put <laughs> in his, his retirement statement. So which a lot of people would take that opportunity, right? Short of erasing children. Um right. No, you know, I would too. Maybe. You know that? I feel yeah. the hands of time bearing down on me more every day. I'm definitely gonna right. be one of those older people that just <laughs> thinks about death all the time because I'm I'm forty three now. It's it's okay. I think it's a way to enjoy life while you're here too. Like be appreciative of of every day is be conscious that it won't last forever. But 43 is at the point where it's like, well, you do the math and there's a solid, you know, there's a, there's always a solid chance you're more than halfway. But even if you have good health, like you might be after halftime here, you you might have just, you know, they might have just done the halftime show. You might be like starting that first third quarter drive, something like that. I'm just. These were uh, Claybon, These were the type of pep talks that Greg would give me when he was my supervisor <laughs> back in the day. That just like, kind of get you, you know, ready to roll. Just like you don't know how many more seasons you're gonna have, Mark. Let's really <laughs> write up this story on Ben Hartsock's uh, training camp injury. All right, that was the news. That's it. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll get to Zach Kiefer. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Zach Kiefer from The Athletic, and I'm the host of a new podcast series called Luck. It's the Andrew Luck story as you've never heard it. The series looks to answer this question. How did the greatest quarterback prospect since John Elway, the very player the Colts moved on from Peyton Manning for, end up walking away from the game before he was 30 years old? All right, we are excited to welcome in Zach Kiefer. You know, I led into the break kind of with some existentialist talk. What does life really mean? How do you maximize that time? Do you do it? through finding meaning through work? I do. I mean, I I at least feel like that's an important part of life. Uh, Otherwise, it'd be too much time to kill. I think Zach Kiefer being here talking about Andrew Luck is the perfect guy to let us know. Because when I think Andrew Luck, weirdly, I think he brings up, Zach, more existentialist questions than most NFL superstars uh, of the last couple of decades. Let me ask you guys this. So when you heard there's a six-part series coming out on Andrew Luck, three years after he retired, he hasn't said a word in retirement. Like, what's your first reaction? Is it like mm. curiosity? Is it disdain? Is it ambivalence? <laughs> like, should people care about him? I'm just curious. What do you guys think? You know, I uh, I um knew we were doing this today. So it, I had a big wide berth of time because we're doing the show much later than we normally do. And I was like, I want to uh, research this properly. And it was it was you and you've done great work with us in the past and your, in your piece on Wes. I, I knew from a writing and research angle that you were going to deliver. Um, I found myself initially being like, I kind of feel like I know everything about it. Not everything, but I kind of have a sense of Andrew Luck. And it was around episode 2.5. And I will show you something right here. I don't know if you can see this, but this is like my little tracker that shows how long I walked today. I put on the AirPods and walked 4.5 miles just listening to these episodes back to back because I think it became more and more layered. And I just find Andrew Luck a perfect contrast of the modern day quarterback who is not just a robot stuck in the game. Um, But beyond that, you really hit on from a football side, which I kind of think I forgot about because he retired at a young age and you start to have an idea of Andrew Luck, maybe not loving the game as the next person. It was Dequell Jackson who said, outside of Frank Gore, no one had a greater passion for football. No one found more joy in it. And that his competitive nature, I think there was the line about the monster that lurks within from David from David Shaw. Like, I mean, all the stuff I found out from a football angle, but also the personal angle. It's like, it is a must listen if you want to just deep dive on the life of an NFL quarterback that made a really unusual decision. Yeah, that's a great point, Mark. Like, there's this great duality with Andrew Luck, right? Like, does he love football? He walked away young, but like, you just heard from Dequell Jackson, like Andrew Luck loved football so much that it made him question if he loved football enough. And he was a 10 year linebacker in the league. And he ran counter to all these stereotypes. Like he was this star quarterback in Texas, but like he was the valedictorian and he went to Stanford and he was an architecture major and he didn't really care if he won the Heisman. And then he was in the NFL and he had this little Velcro wallet with his college logo on it. He was a millionaire and he had this Velcro (laughs) wallet And he had a flip phone and everyone knows about the flip phone, but like his teammates would get pissed off because they would send him pictures and they, he couldn't open up the pictures. Like, and he, he genuinely, he genuinely didn't care about the, the, the nonsense. Like he just didn't. And he cared about football. And and there's this great Matt Hasselbuck quote. He said like a lot of guys in this league just love being in the NFL. 
Not all of them love football. There's a difference. And Luck was the latter. He loved football. And his career is just, I think the podcast does two things. If it does it well, it it explores the personality and how he's unique. And it also explores his career, the Peyton Manning thing. And that and that's really unique too to me. Yeah, it's it's an opportunity to to not just look at Andrew Luck and his career, but football and the way that we perceive it, right? And what got me interested was the first ad that I that I heard. And shout out, right, to you know Zach if you were a part of putting it together because it, it immediately got to the core of me, right? What if the Colts had protected Andrew Luck and this uniquely gifted football player that we were able to watch, but so many different aspects were striking against the person that he is. Um, and there was this whole conversation about the player and the way he went about it and like what loving football actually is. But Andrew never got to be a part of that discussion. Right. Mm. And so like to have him be able to be a part of that after the fact, I think it's good because it's, there are so many different things that go into this game from a player's perspective that, that we don't really get because of the atmosphere and attitude surrounding the game. And, And so anytime that we can, turn and look at football in the mirror it is a good opportunity that we should take. Oh like, yeah. I mean, to answer your question, Zach, I was like, Oh, this is a great idea. Of course, I mean, because he's one of the most fascinating characters and uh, that we've had in the NFL because he was one of the most fascinating players. I, unfortunately, just the way uh, my simple mind works and probably there's other people like it. If he wasn't one of the most dynamic, exciting players on the field and I would put him right there to me with Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson as just like as a player just as exciting as any player Justin Herbert I'd throw in there now too as just that that I've seen come into the league in the last 15 years maybe I'm not quite as interested even though I know he's so interesting as a person and he's a unique guy but but the fact that he was that good, <laughs> that he gave that much joy to me watching it, thought, well, this is perfect. And I thought of Wes. And and it's interesting because, you know, listeners might not be familiar. Zach wrote a, a great piece about Wes and The Athletic, and, and we talked to him um, for a long time about that. And he did a great job with that. So we associate Zach with Wes, too. But I associate uh, Andrew Luck with Wes because not only was Wes like a huge, huge fan of Luck as a player, immediately he was sort of fascinated by him. I, th- I think he saw the story uh, of, of Luck as fascinating, and I think he saw him as the next great NFL player from minute one. I, I started doing this article called QB Index in 2012, and it was just following that rookie draft class. So I watched everything, and, and he was such a fascinating player. So I, I put that all together, and I'm like, I, I'm, I was glad you were doing it. And even then, to Mark's point, I... I sort of felt like I knew luck, but I I kind of forgot the timeline of it all. You know, I I forgot how strange it was that it was the calf and the ankle injury and how surprising that was and how um, the 2018 season when he came back from those two lost years, really almost three lost years to to injury that that affected him, uh, how great he was in 2018. And that's what made the retirement all the more stunning. And so I... I was relearning things, but I had really forgotten how crazy and how uh, condensed the timeline of it was. Covering them uh, in in person, Zach, I I know I'm going on here, but I kind of want to get back to something Mark said, which was the dichotomy of just like what it was like covering them. And I'm kind of thinking before the injuries came up that like 
he was like a cocky mf'er on the field you know and sort of what that dichotomy was like where like he was such a different person off the field but he's like he played like a cocky guy like he played like he thought he was the best player in the league when he was on the field he couldn't hide that that's the great contradiction right he's this goofy nerdy architecture major who has this goofy laugh and would use words like modus operandi and perpetuity in press conferences and then after the press conference gaggle breaks up he'd come up to me and say hey did i use that right like i've been waiting weeks to try and use that and i'm like you're the weirdest dude and then you hear david shaw describe him as this as this monster who's gonna kill you and then step over you after he killed you and you know, there's the scenes from his first game at Stanford when he runs right into the safety when he's supposed to go out of bounds and he runs off the field and he goes, I know, I know, I know I'm supposed to avoid the contact. And Shaw's like, yeah, we, we designed plays so you don't get hit. And he's like, I just had to get hit, man. I just had to get hit. So like both of those things were at war. And, and it's really like the story of his career is this like goofy nerd. But inside he was kind of like this beast who could have played tight end, could have played linebacker i mean he would drill linebackers to the turf and then help them up off the field and say good hit like we're gonna, we're gonna see another andrew luck like he was he was one of a kind in a lot of ways and and mm. i'm not allowed to take my reporter hat off but let's just say i did back in the day it's fun as hell to watch that dude play like those teams were not good that colts team was not good in 2012 they won 11 games seven at the buzzer because this rookie quarterback was insane I think one thing that you um, really educate people on too, because no injuries are more hidden in the NFL than quarterback injuries in general. You find out later that you know someone was playing with this leg malady that for, they could barely walk, and, and you know they took to Andrew Luck's recovery was almost done in covert fashion, where he'd be in before other players taking every type of shot, and they you know they would be a fraternity where normally they would say I'm going through something, and you know it, but in this case it was very much hush hush and you described in words a couple times that at the end you saw a man who'd been drowning for four years through this pain and that the fun all this joy that he brought the frank gore level joy turned into a daily hell and I, I really learned from that and i do wonder just because i also found out that um he and i went to the same school in england that american school i mean and uh, yeah. he and his whole childhood was so different like the, the little nugget about watching Adam Vinatieri in, in, a, in a World League game. And then in his first ever win as a starter, Adam Vinatieri, 17 years later, is kicking the field goal. He just had, a, his dad had a lot to do with that too. But his childhood, his early path, did that contribute at all to making peace with an early retirement versus I'm just going to mm. gut this out for more money and just do what I can to do? Don't you think it did? I do, like, yeah. Don't you think that shaped everything like... You heard Tavita Pritchard, who was the quarterback at Stanford that lost his job to Andrew, be like, make pop culture references when Andrew was in college. And Andrew's like, what are you talking about? Like, he was reading the Game of Thrones books before it was even a show. Like, he, he's just different. Like, I was, when I met with him a couple of months ago, you know, I was reading this book and I'm like, I'm going to get him. Like, I'm going to name this book he's never heard of. And I, and I named it. And he's like, oh, he named the author right away. And I'm like, man, like, I, you know, like, you can't even get that past him. And, and I think, I think it plays into everything. He was very worldly. Like his, his, his view of vacation is very different from what an NFL player's view is. And, and I remember looking at him that night, the night he retired and, and, and it wasn't just the physical pain. He was mentally beaten down. And it made me think like, what do these guys owe us? What do they owe the fans? What do they owe the league? 
do they owe this idea that they're supposed to play as long as they can and they're supposed to, you know, why a tittle walk off the field, blood dripping down their forehead? Like, what are they supposed to? What's the script? And this this career didn't follow the script. And I and I ask myself to this day, like, he's 29 years old. He walks away 15 days before the season opener. Like, how did we get here? Like, how did this guy? that they moved on from Peyton Manning for like, and that's episode two. Like it's hard to nationally put that into context. Like you don't move on from Peyton Manning. Like he was the whole city. He was like the mayor and they did. And it was the right football move, but like, how did we get here? And that's kind of what we try to answer, but that's a good point you made, Mark. Like it starts in London. It starts in Germany. It starts in this overseas childhood that makes him see the world a little bit different. Hmm. I, I like, think though yes the background made a difference but it seemed like he was just kind of heartbroken and i guess that because i think people conflate that okay he has these other interests he's smart he had you know he can do other things in his life so he can walk away from the game in a way others can't i don't know like you tell me if i'm wrong but i feel like that's sort of misreading it 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 just felt like his heart was broken like sort of by the injuries that he that he and I think this has happened to other players probably too. They're just not in the same position as Andrew Luck that, that he did love the game so much that like that, that entire process with the shoulder, which you, that's what I really learned more than, than anything. And and this is, it's a great, it's a six part podcast. It, It flies by really quick. I think the pacing is really good. Zach, like it didn't feel like, like it always felt like it was really moving forward quickly. You did a great job with that. Uh, but it just felt like, he loved it so much. It was almost like this thing that he loved that total that sort of didn't love him back. And at that moment, mm. it his heart was just broken, and that he sort of loved it so much that he couldn't do it again. That it was over. That it was it wasn't about like that he had other interests. It was almost that he just he felt too strongly about it that he that he couldn't continue. And I I think that that somehow makes like sense as a human. I looked at him that night and I remember telling myself football has been beaten out of him. Like that's what happened. It's, it's the kidney, it's the calf, it's the ankle, it's the throwing shoulder that's torn for four years. It's the, it's the, I'm, I'm missing a body part, but name one and he's, he's busted it up. Um, yeah. I mean, Greg, but here's the thing, like, and I go back to this a lot, like nobody retires from a calf injury, like a calf strain. Like right. what? It wasn't like, the shoulder that that did it. Like the, shoulder the shoulder that he recovered from. Yeah. I mean, he nearly walked away at, at age 28 from the shoulder. And he came back and he had this great season. And then like everything looked great with Frank Reich. They were getting the ball out fast. Frank's got these crossing routes. Like the offense just made sense. They they get Quentin Nelson and they've got this line that protects him. And he makes, you know, he's an NFL comeback player of the year. And like I wrote in 2018, like the future of the AFC is Patrick Mahomes and Andrew Luck. And I, I thought it was. And and to your point, like, why not just rehab? Why not just rehab for for six weeks? Why not just rehab for two months? Why not take a year off and come back? Like, that's why this doesn't make sense. And he was working like crazy to come back until the last minute, like crazy. And it just, I, I've never been as surprised in my life as I was when I read that tweet. Hmm. And, and seeing, right, seeing that rehab process play out, though, Zach, and we've kind of seen a, a corollary where, Cam Newton undergoes shoulder surgery and we see him come back and there's a, a similar path, right? There's there's the lack of velocity. There's this question of how how is this player in this part of his career going to reconcile being a different type of player? And from the outside looking in, and I 
apologies, I haven't been able to get into the pod just yet, but but I do wonder how much of playing, like if I were to go onto a basketball court right now and try to play pickup, there's things that I can't do now, right, that I remember being able to do. And when you're Andrew Luck and when you're out there against professionals and you're thinking about things that you can't do anymore, even at 28 years old, how much that plays in to a decision of whether you want to do this anymore when you can be good at other things, right? And you recognize and you have the privilege because of where you come from, because of who you are, that you feel like you can make this decision and you're financially capable of doing so. That that was my view from, from the outside looking in. If I can't be Andrew Luck, then I'm going to go be Andrew Luck in all the other parts of my life. That's a really good point because that's that's something he said the night he walked away was, I don't want to be 75%. Like this team can't handle, like that's not good enough for me and it's not good enough for them. Now, 75% of Andrew Luck's better than 100% of a lot of guys. Jacoby Brissett, who started that year. But I want to mention one thing that happened the year before when he was coming back from the shoulder. Everything was fine physically, but mentally he wasn't there yet. He, like that cockiness, that swagger, that all these alpha type guys have. And he goes up to Tom House, who brought him back, the throwing guru, and he says, am I ever going to be great again? Am I ever going to be myself again? And so he had to go through that. And you would just think that Andrew Luck shows up on a football field, and if he's physically healthy, he's a badass. But like in his head, he had lost all that confidence, all that confidence. And I think that is a really good point because it played into the same thing a year later when he said, if I'm dealing with this foot and if I can't move in the pocket, I'm not going to be myself and I'm going to start to hate myself again. And and the mental struggle was real. Like he was in some dark places. And and that's something not about not a lot of athletes talk about, but that's a really uh, relevant thing here. Right. I think um, you did a good, great job painting the picture when he was in the Netherlands and and he and he he actually had a long conversation with you I think it was the next off season coming back talking about how dark that place was in that nether and even then and I think when Tom House talked about it it felt like luck was still he struggled to talk about the mental side of things and I listening to him you know in it and you can understand it he sounded like someone who was who was depressed and and was struggling with with everything that was going on and 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 that might have played a you know part of the retirement i i know you had sort of an off the record long meeting with andrew luck i am curious like for for at least what you can say like how do you think he's doing now like how do you think he's doing in retirement like i i want to i want to believe in a happy andrew luck and and that it's going well you can. You can. Okay, good. Um, That's good. It was a great meeting. Like, I, 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 it kills me that it was off the record. I get that. Um, but I'm going to honor that. He wanted it to be off the record. He's doing great. Like, I got, I got no sense at any point that he was thinking about coming back, that he's ever thought about coming back. Um, but the, the funny thing is, like, none of the story followed the script. And even to this day, it still doesn't all add up like you think it would. Like, he lives five minutes from the Colts facility. Like that threw me. They're over there trying to replace him. You know, Carson Wentz, Philip Rivers, Matt Ryan. And he he's right there. Like you could throw a baseball and probably hit his house. Yeah, I was surprised he lived in Indianapolis. No shade yeah. to Indianapolis. Yeah. When it comes to Andrew Luck, I mean, what is, what is his goal? Do you have a sense that he has like another part of his life that he wants to like go be the best at? Because I think the thing that would be hard is like to do this thing so well, have it stripped out. He had a very like philosophical approach to it. I think there's a lot of hurt attached to it too. He sounds like he's in a good place, but then what's the next thing? Cause he's, he is so young. Yeah. Like imagine being that good at something 
and then just not being able to do it at 29 like you got like what, what do you like you got to pour yourself into something else you're super competitive like all these guys are like that i don't know and i think he you know this is my words not his but i think he struggled with that like i think like andrew luck is still like this ghost in indianapolis like i'll get text messages like i saw him at the grocery he's alive like the specter of andrew luck has kind of become this like mystery in indianapolis and like what does he do to fill the days like he's got like money's not an issue for the rest of his life like but that's not ever what's made him happy so that's another layer to this that i find so fascinating like what would you do if you had all the money in the world but no outlet no purpose you know and he stayed at home and he's you know he's got a two-year-old daughter and um like that's been a big part of his life for real it absolutely has but that's what I'm excited to see next. And he started to come out of hibernation. He started to show his face a little bit more. He thought about doing the podcast. He really did. I thought he was going to do it, but then he ultimately declined. So, um, but that's a good point, Mark. And like, I don't, only he can answer that, you know, like he's, he's going to have to do something. Maybe, maybe it's private. Like I know he's given a lot. He does a lot of stuff like off to the side that no one knows about, but like he's, mm. he's just too bright, you know, to, to not do something to help the world maybe right he was majoring in architecture at stanford like i don't know if you guys had any friends that uh did architecture in school but that was the hardest major possible it was the smartest people possible and it took the most work possible it it seemed like if you were in architecture school that you couldn't do anything else and he was doing that while being andrew luck at stanford so maybe he should get into concrete i don't know it's a great it's a great it's a great series (laughs) Uh, it's a six part series. It's called luck on, on the athletic Zach. We want to keep you, uh, to talk a, a little bit about the 2022 Colts while you have you, while we have you, we're going to be selfish and take up more of your time. But before we do that, I, I did ask Graver to go look just for some, um, clips of us talking luck during his career. And, um, th- this is a happier moment. This is I, maybe the peak of luck's career. Uh, I think the win he had against Tennessee in 2018 to get back into the playoffs. If you remember, they started one in five that year. It was after he missed two years where he thought his career m- might even be over. And he came back and he won that game. That's one peak. But I think if you think of one game as of Andrew Luck, I think you think the huge wild card comeback against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, here was the Around the NFL podcast reacting to that comeback. Uh, what was that now? Eight years ago. Wow. Wow. That's the only thing I could say. Andrew Luck is the first step towards legend status. Is this the beginning of the Andrew Luck arc towards greatness? Yes. Yeah. If if it wasn't already. I mean, he, he's broken the records for comeback victories and it, you just can't ever count him out. He puts the team on his back. He starts running. He starts passing. He's physical. He does everything well. His instincts are great. That fumble play was awesome. He's 24 years old. He's not even 25 until September, uh, next September. This guy, it, I mean, it's unreal what we're seeing at this young an age with this um, this little experience. I can't even imagine what we're going to see five years from now. I feel like we the, the, the ceiling's been taking off, taken off. There is no limitations to what this guy can be. Look, I at, like his, him. look he was, at his surrounding talent. I like him because he was pulled what appears to be out of Amish territory. <laughs> and, you know, we talked to Greg today before – the Bengals game, and you said that you would rather face Andrew Luck and the Colts (laughs) over Andy Dalton and the Bengals. And and that shocked me because I wouldn't want to deal with Andrew Luck on any level in the playoffs. He is just flat out finding a way to win these games. What about T.Y. Hilton? Outrageous. Yeah, he's great. And they use him a lot like the Eagles use Deshaun Jackson. 
I mean, Andrew Luck was so good. He was almost the best quarterback in this game. Ooh, damn, man. You got to get me with like two terrible Ouch. takes <laughs> in one little clip, Graver. One I mean, was a stray from Mark. I mean, not only did Mark point out that I said I'd rather play Dalton, but I just uh, made an allusion that to That does Alex. feel drug-induced. I, I think yeah. that was a fair uh, question on my part. Uh, Alex Smith did play great in that game. Poor Alex Smith had, had has had some uh, terrible luck over the years, too. And that was uh, maybe the best performance of his career, too, and ended up in a losing effort because luck was so good. Uh, we're going to take one more quick break. And then, Zach, we're going to get you a few questions uh, about the Colts. And then we'll we'll get out of here and I'll head back to the U.S. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, back with Zach Kiefer. Uh, We talked luck. There's no Andrew Luck on this team. Zach, uh, Matt Ryan is not going to be able to do the things that Andrew Luck did. Matt Ryan should not be seeking out contact uh, like Andrew Luck did. In in fact, I think that's one of Matt Ryan's best strengths, uh, that he can avoid that contact. Him being with Frank Reich, what do you think that combination's going to be like? Like, how do you think Ryan will be different? How do you think Reich's system will be different? Because listening to the podcast, you're going back to the luck thing, I, it it sort of reminded me, oh, man, he only had that one year with Reich. You almost forgot. And that was the most efficient year of Luck's career. He got sacked the least amount in the entire league, so he totally changed who he was as a player. And it's one more um, piece of evidence to me that Frank Reich is one of the preeminent coaches to have if you're a quarterback. And I and I mean like top two or three. It, that's my opinion. Uh, so how do you think that Frank Reich system and, and everything is going to work with Matt Ryan? How do you think it's going to be different? 
five quarterbacks in five years it's for crazy. Frank Reich. Like, it seems like a made-up stat. Um, you know, it's funny. I haven't thought about the current Colts at all for the last three weeks because I've been on this <laughs> deadline. So, yes, Matt Ryan's the quarterback. And, and it's crazy. Like, during the spring, you know, talking to people around the organization, it's like they're just, like, laughing at how well this turned out. Like, literally, like, there were Baker Mayfield rumors. Like, there were Mariota rumors. Like, this team had no plan. Like, they just entered free agency and were like, we don't really love any of these guys out there. We're just going to sit and see what happens. And then Matt Ryan magically sort of became available due to all the circumstances with Deshaun Watson. Watson and really? Like, yeah. And then and, and like every single word we've heard about Matt Ryan has been unbelievable praise. Like he's, he's a legit dude. Like he's, he stepped in and they're just like Carson Wentz who like, they're like, we've got the guy. And maybe that's a little bit ahead of myself in terms of like, it just seems like it fits perfectly. I don't want to drink the Kool-Aid too much because, like, I know how this league works. But, you know, they're comparing him like Reggie Wayne. Like, Reggie Wayne said this. He's like, it makes me sick how much he reminds me of Peyton in terms of a leader. They're not the same quarterback. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But, like, Matt Ryan came in and just owned the offensive meeting room. And, like, he's just stepped in right away. And and that fast, quick release is going to be huge. Carson, Carson Wentz made football so much harder than it needed to be last year. Like, he had a beast in the backfield Jonathan Taylor and he has a beast in the outside and, and Michael Pittman and like Carson's got to hold on to the ball and he's got to wait and wait and wait and try to make this heroic play and sometimes he does but like Matt Ryan is going to be the opposite in terms of efficiency and I think it's I think it's going to work like Naheem Hines told a reporter a couple of weeks ago like Matt's going to make the layups like that's a telling quote like Naheem Hines is a really good playmaker and they just forgot about him last year because Carson stopped throwing to him and so I think Matt Ryan's going to run the offense Frank Reich wants, and I think it's going to be a lot more efficient, maybe a little bit less splash than Carson, but like I feel like it's just a, it fits like a perfect glove. You know, check with me in October. I might look like an idiot. I, I would ask you this then because you're right. Um, on this show a couple months ago, we went through all the quotes about Matt Ryan, and they are. Glowing does not do service for what they are. I mean, they're, uh, uh, it's almost like we're a, not even asking these questions either. Sometimes right. they just say them. They're offering them up and it's so glowing and so gushing that I, I, all I would ask is if you're Jim Ursay and you're hearing all this information, we've got our guy, we've got Peyton Manning, the leader, um, Matt Ryan can still play. It's such an upgrade. We gave you what you wanted. Now, if you're Jim Ursay and I, cause to, the culture seems really good inside team walls. I mean, Chris Ballard, everyone views him as a top flight GM. We all love Frank Reich, but if they go and win nine games, um, is there a scenario where the pressure inside this building turns up higher than people expected? Yeah. Yeah, it needs to. One playoff appearance since Andrew Luck retired. Zero playoff wins. And they've had some good teams. Like, I'll give them credit. Like, it was a stunning retirement. It was historic. Like, a lot of teams would have cr cratered, right? I mean, they just would have. They didn't, but they also haven't won enough. And Ursay's pissed, man. Like, Ursay's pissed. Like he ripped into his scouts and his staff when they lost to the Titans last year, two in a row. Like they can't beat Vrabel and the Titans. And the and the Titans took a step back on paper, but I'm a little hesitant to count them out because Vrabel's so good and, and he gets as as most out of his roster as just about anybody. And the Colts have just found a way to shrink in those moments against that team. So they've got to win the AFC South. And if they don't, you know, Reich and Ballard are on these extensions through like 26, but you know, they they the Andrew Luck get out of jail free card is over. Like it's done. Like there's no more leniency with that. They need to win. They screwed up with the Carson Wentz trade. They got out of it miraculously. Like the move Ballard made getting two, th like 
come on, like that's insane. But they got to win, man. They need to be playing into January this year for sure. Mm. One, one thing you said, Zach, that makes me wonder about this franchise, especially coming off the luck discussion, right, was they didn't have a plan, right? And then the Deshaun circumstance happens, and they wind up with Matt Ryan. But this continues to happen to this franchise where they're in a situation where they don't have a plan, they wing it, and they make it work. What needs to change <laughs> for them to have a consistent plan, not just at the position, but maybe let's say they do eventually find – the universe hands them another generational quarterback. What's it going to take for them to have a plan the next time? Mm. I can't wait for you to listen to the podcast because we've been asking Ballard this question for three years. And, and it, at one point, he just kind of lost it. And he goes, look, everybody wants me to pick a quarterback. But if you rush into it and pick the wrong guy, everyone's going to run my ass out of town. And he's right. So, like, maybe winging it is a little bit of a stretch because they haven't panicked, right? They haven't had a good draft pick. Like, they just haven't. Like, they traded one first-round pick for DeForest Buckner. You can't really knock him for that. He's a monster. You can knock him for the Carson Wentz trade, but they didn't have a first-round pick this year. So they've just tried to fix the hole without making it worse long-term, and they're not going to jump until they're ready to jump. They need to find the long-term guy. But Matt Ryan's here for two years, and, and Ursay's, Ursay's thinking three or four. Now, he's an, an optimist, and I don't know about that. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But – if this goes well this year, there's no reason why this can't be a two to three year thing. And that gives them some time to find the next guy. But like Ballard said, like they're living like the other half of the world now. They don't have a top pick with Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning. And this is what everyone else in the NFL has to do unless you're the Green Bay Packers. Well, but the Green Bay Packers used to be run by Ron Wolf and and Ted Thompson had the same philosophy as uh, Ron Wolf when he took over, which was take a quarterback every single year. So it's like you could start doing that. You don't have to take them in the first round. Take a take a third, take a second, take a sixth. Maybe it's not, and, and they've taken a couple late rounds, but just Sam like- Sam Ellinger, Jacob yeah, Eason's just, with the Seahawks now. I, I get it. It's like, but you, you can try. And, and I think they need to keep trying during the Matt Ryan era, but I'm optimistic. I actually noticed uh, their their over-under win total moved up to 10. So the, the, the optimism for the Colts is nationwide. Only five teams in the NFL have a higher- uh, over under win total. Now they're tied at 10 with like six or seven teams are, are right at 10, but that that's telling to me the schedule plays a, a big part of that. Uh, I'm sort of on that train too. So the off season's so damn long that we start going against the opinions we had initially. I was, I was like, eh, actually the Colts roster isn't as good as it used to be. Let's not get too carried away. But now I'm back on the Colts train. The secondary feels like it's totally boom or bust, but they feel like they should be the favorites. And I think they have a, a chance to, to win some playoff games this year. Yeah. I mean, like the last time they played football was atrocious. It was one of the worst losses I've ever seen watching this team 30 years. I mean, the way they laid down in Jacksonville. So, yeah, I mean, you had Ngakwe, and, and that's the one thing this defense really needed. They needed a pass rusher, and Ngakwe's probably just pencil him in for 10 sacks. They had a Gilmore in the back end. Can he still play? I think so. Um, Darius Leonard's a question mark, though, because he's coming off this weird back surgery that's supposed to alleviate pain in his ankle. And, I mean, he was he was a freak last year. Like, he had, like, 15 turnovers by himself, but he was playing on – on one leg and this ankle thing keeps being an issue and that's i mean he's their best player besides jonathan taylor so I, I don't know i think that's the fun part about training camp is like we don't know and this team could be like seven wins or they could be like 12 wins yep and uh we will be tracking it all it's happening i've kept everyone too long you know claybun's got uh, his son is running around the room my kids are now up zach's it's dinner time in indianapolis uh what a lovely boy there in the, in the background. 
Mine are like two minutes from burging in, so I feel All right, the pain. so we, we should take off. Um, Zach, thank you for joining us. Uh, again, uh, the series Luck, uh, It's uh, all six episodes are out. Uh, you can find it wherever you get your podcast feeds. And uh, look, we've got the lovely Clay. The bo- both Claybon kids are here. Th- thank you, uh, Patrick, as well. Why don't we all say goodbye together? Let's just say goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. Thanks, Clay. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you, Zach. Come Bye, on, we get, we get, can we get the kids on the mic or no? There we go. Uh, again, that was Zach Kiefer. Mark, uh, I, I said, like, oh, maybe we'll do 45, 50 minutes today. We don't have that much to talk about. And now it's like an hour 10. I blew it. You know what? It's because we enjoy um, the roles that we play. I, I'll say it that way. Why make or it 40 we... minutes when we can make it 64 minutes? So. I just wanted to yes. jump in to point out that Zach said "good point, Mark" or "great point, Mark" three times, and I really I wanted was, to uh, drop. I was thinking you might <laughs> have because Mark has great points. I know. I think I think anyone that's listening, to, I mean, he listens a little bit. He probably knows that's the the quickest way to curry favor with um at least one person on the panel here. So. Don't hit that mute button. Claybon's hitting the mute button with the kids around. Um, thanks to everyone. This is a sloppy show. This is what happens when uh, when Dan is is gone. Dan will be back next week. Uh, he'll still be in Jersey, but I'll be back in LA, and we are getting closer to all being back in the studio. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be Monday or Tuesday. We we will find out then, but I believe we'll we'll have a Monday show. Claybon, we haven't seen you in like a month, so it was nice nice to see you. I hope you've had a nice summer. I, I see they're working yeah. you pretty hard though. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's good to be wanted. You're you're like doing some good morning football stuff. Is that is that the yeah? The, coming up next week, I'll be playing the Will Silver role. Uh, if um, if I get to go in, uh, we we get some pending tests. Okay, uh, in this okay, house, that's so. that's uh, knock on wood. There, things don't change. The more things uh, change, the more they stay the same. Uh, until then, for Mark Sessler, Justin Graver, Patrick Claybon, Zach Kiefer. I'm Greg Rosenthal. See you next week. Heed the call. In one of the more shocking happenings in the NFL's recent history, Andrew Luck announces his retirement from the NFL. The Colts superstar quarterback uh, announcing that injuries have taken the love from the game. Uh, for him. So a man who's turning 30 years old on September 12th uh, met with Colts owner Jim Ursay uh, earlier Saturday uh, to explain his decision. And this is Dan Hansis of the Around the NFL podcast presented by Sirius XM. I'm joined by Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. Uh, and boys, this is an absolute bombshell um, that changes the complexion of the Colts, obviously, but the AFC and, and Wes Luck. Nobody knew this was coming. This is this. We were at Patrick Claybon's um, uh, shrimp oil, in fact, in the middle of a cornhole game, and everyone was just dumbfounded. And you could say the same thing about everyone else connected to football. Andrew Luck done at age 29 in the NFL. When you're recording the show, what 36 hours later, you're reacting to so much more than just. The news. You're reacting to the reaction. You're reacting to what you should have seen for three years, considering the comments he's made. And just looking, doing the research on what he said over the last few years, this is every bit as much of a mental health issue as a 
as a pain issue, as a physical issue. As Jim Irsay said in 2017, it's about the four-inch field between Andrew Luck's ears. And Irsay took a lot of crap for that from people who didn't know what they were talking about and assumed they did from the outside looking in. But in Luck's own words, he is referred to the dark place, not a fun world to live in, scared to my core, a low point, miserable SOB. I withdrew. My life was empty. I have shame. I don't know about my worth as a human. I'm weathered and less naive. And then at the press conference, he said, this is the only way I see out of it. And out of it is the severe depression and identity crisis that he's been going through for three years. And he said that uh, already a weight had been lifted. And even though the press conference... You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm late. I'm late. Three important Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.